complain about it was uh, Dr. Paul Cole, who had been here a couple of years ago to minister. And in his uh, teachings that he's been doing on a weekly basis, he shared a story of an individual who went to church, to rosary, told, him by, told by a Vietnamese priest, if you will. The individual came, and then the individual got up. He came to service, got up, went to the back, had communion, did the blessing and the things that they do in the, uh, the Catholic Church, and then walked away. And so as he walked away, um, that was it. And he said that person was Kobe Bryant and his daughter. So before they got on that helicopter to go to the game, he went to church to have communion, to be blessed, if you will, and then to go on his way, which was a, uh, a comfort in the sense of you'd hate to see anybody go to hell. And for an individual to do something like that, that's the last thing that they did before they exited out of this earth. It's like, amen, because that's what he believed, and he believed it up until the end. That was it. So with that, that was a, a comfort, if you will. Moving forward, in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9, Let me begin at verse 4. Still the Lord God of Israel chose me from all my father's house to be king over Israel forever. For he chose Judah as leader, and in the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he took pleasure in me to make me king over all Israel. Of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. For he said to me, Solomon, your son, is the one who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he is fully committed to keep my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. Now, that was verse 7. Let's read it together. On the count of three, one, two, three, go. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. The reason I highlight that is because this is something that God started at the beginning all the way through to the end. And that is God instructing and teaching his people how to live. Some may read it as, see, I got to, this word here is like a bad word for many. What does that word say? Commandments. That right there is a bad word for many because it's like, oh, I don't want nobody telling me what to do. You know, we have that independent spirit that keeps, you know, it, it, children grow, grow up in their parents' household and you don't tell me what to do, get out. You know, it, it, because that unruly, irresponsible, 
bad-tempered spirit, if you will, will rise up anywhere. And so if we don't nip it in the house at home, it'll matriculate or it'll go to the schools. If it's not dealt with there, it'll go to the job. If it's not dealt with there, the person may end up in jail or dead or some other tragic thing could happen to them because they simply don't want to abide according to rules. Rules are not bad. Rules are for our good, if you will. Now, these rules or commandments are not what saves us. It's because that we are saved, we now learn how to live. If we grow up all these years living an unsaved life and we get saved, to go on living the unsaved life is a, a what do you call it, oxymoron, contradiction, if you will. It's like it, it just it doesn't measure up. So the commandments of God, the judgments of God, the word judgment when a, when a court, when a, when a judge issues a judgment, he issues what? In order, he gives a decision, if you will. These are his decisions. These are his verdicts, if you will. It could be guilty, not guilty. It could be, you know, an award or, you know, a, a rejection, for lack of better words. But it's a decision that the courts make, and it is binding, if you will. And so God does make decisions for us also. He has commandments for us also. Not to be like a heavy weight that's, you know, like a, a, a moat or something that will weigh us down, but it's helping us and teaching us how to live and how to live godly. So if we've been living a raggedy, shaggy, rebellious, wild life, and we come to God, for God to let us continue to live that way, it is just, I won't say impossible, it just doesn't go together. I could say impossible because God would not do that. But it's unlikely that God would let us continue to live a wild, crazy lifestyle when we come to him and he's the author of life. He communicates to us, the ways that we are to live as his sons and daughters. And I know it sounds like 2 plus 2 is 4, very simple and things like that. But it's not so much in the hearing as in the doing. Because to God, if we don't do, it means that we haven't heard, which means we haven't listened to the instructions that he gives. We're listening to somebody else whose voice is stronger in our lives than the voice of God. And God is like, I will have no other before me. Your allegiance is to, I'll just say the Lord. I won't say me in the sense of, because I don't want you to mistake anything. If I said me, I'd be talking about God, but our allegiance is to the most high God, and he instructs us on daily living. If we have problems in how to live, God teaches us. That's a loving father, if you will, that will teach us, will illustrate to us, has already given us examples, if you will, and still expects us to measure up. So God says, moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever. That's in the heart and mind of God. If he be 
constant. In other words, if he continues to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. Now, when we cross over to the new covenant, it's like, well, see, we're no longer under the law, but we're still expected to honor the commandments of God because even John himself in his epistles, he says that, you know, if, if we love Jesus, we're going to obey his commands and his commandments are not grievous. I hope I pronounced that word right. In other words, his commandments are not a burden. And that's where, you know, it's like, oh, light bulb goes on. Wait a minute. I thought it was difficult, hard. God was a taskmaster, always commanding us to do things that we cannot ever do in our own, you know, we just can't live. We just can't do that. That's just too much. I just can't. And, and it's like, guys, I'm trying to show you how. Remember what I said in John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, I'm not dealing with your flesh. I'll teach you what to do with your flesh. I'll teach you about denying yourself because that's the only way you will get power over yourself is to deny yourself. In other words, you may want something stronger and, and it's, it's just like the urge to have it is it's just great and intense. But the will of God is no, no. And you may be so strong in your will that you just violate God's no in order to go after what you think is best for you. And then you find out that it's something that is just yuck, 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 yuck in the words of Marilyn Hickey. God said this about young Solomon. In the scriptures, there's a verse that uh, I may get to, I may not get to. And that is, when Solomon grew older in age, now Solomon was the wisest man, the most wealthiest man to ever live on the face of the earth, and God made him rich. Tell your neighbor, God made him rich. See, just like he made Abraham rich, and he will make you rich if you do right. So God says, Solomon, who was king now over the kingdom of Israel, David, who preceded Solomon, was king over all Israel. And he had the battle to bring everything into one, but he did by the power and grace of God. And so David had other sons, sons older than Solomon, who were in line but God overlooked them, just like God overlooked all of David's brothers, seven of them, in order to go to David. Why? Because of this one word that we're going to look at. We may not have much time to go in depth with it. Because of this one word, perfect. What is that word perfect? It's the same word. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Did David sin? Yeah, big time. Did Abraham blow it? Yeah, big time. Did Noah blow it? Yeah, big time. Many of the patriarchs blew it. This is not making an excuse for blowing it. But the heart was perfect towards God. 
And that's the difference. You have some people who blow it and they don't care. There's, there's no grief, there's no remorse, there's no shame, if you will. We, we, we have people who are going to be doing things today in celebration of the Super Bowl and all. And many of them used to do those, those kind of dirty things and thank God for the gifts and talents that they received. And dad's not going to give you talents to do some seductive type of dancing in front of people and then have you give him glory because he taught you how to dance seductively in front of people or gave you that kind of talent. He's not going to give you the talent to go out there and just, you know, spout, out, spout off a lot of expletives and then say, I thank God for this gift and talent that he gave me to spout off all of these expletives because God does not speak to us in expletives. Amen? If, if God doesn't speak that way, then why should his sons and daughters speak that way? If God doesn't live that way, then why should God's sons and daughters live that way? Make sense? So the character and nature of God is what's to be developed in us because we've had the world, we've been in the world, we were born into this world, but now we have been separated from the world unto God, and now we are in the world, but we're not of it any longer. It has no control over us. It has no pull on us. It should not have any pull on us. We should be getting all of our pull from heaven. Amen. So Solomon, the scripture goes on to say that Solomon in his older years, now mind you, he not only had wives, but he had concubines. And uh, in his older years, and God had warned him, and God warns, it's like, don't allow yourself to be carried away with multiple women and all because eventually they will take your heart away and you will begin to serve other gods. This is what Nehemiah and, and, and Ezra spoke of in their day concerning Solomon and how because he went after the women of Moab. Now, Moab was an offspring of Lot, if you will, Lot had two sons by his daughters. One was named Ammon, and the other one was named uh, Moab. And so you, you, you have this, 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 this perversion going on, and they seduce Solomon in his older years. Now, as he's growing up, he's filled with the wisdom of God. God is blessing him. His kingdom is expanding. It's so glorious. The word travels all over. The queen of Sheba comes to visit him, and she sees and she bears witness that she has not heard the whole of everything about Solomon and his reign. She even fainted because it was so glorious. But nevertheless, Solomon got off course towards the end of his life. And he allowed these women, the scriptures say that, I ain't saying, I'm not making it up, so don't, don't let any ladies get offended by what I'm saying. But they led him astray to worship other gods. So listen to what it, what it says again. Now therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek out all the commandments of the of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. So we see in verse 7, I will establish my kingdom forever if he is fully committed 
And God wants us to be fully committed. I know this is elementary, but it is necessary because when you go out of those doors, it's when it really counts. Because you can hear and think and say, I understand that. I know that. I got that down pat. But nevertheless, when we get outside those doors and we start living our ways instead of God's ways, we're like that man that looked and beheld his face in the mirror. And then as soon as we turn away, we forget who we are. God doesn't measure things by us sitting and listening. He measures things by us doing. Do I need to repeat that? It's what we do that counts. He gives us the measure of faith, the measure of faith to believe and to trust him, that when he speaks to us, he's speaking for our good and not for our bad. He's speaking to help us and not harm us. He's speaking to free us and not bring us into bondage. He's not trying to put us under some burdens that we cannot carry or we cannot bear or we cannot measure up to. He's given us simple truth to live by. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God gives us word. He communicates word to our spirit to give us life because he wants us to be lively and vibrant, active concerning the things of God. And in everything that we do, we shine for his glory. When we go to work, secular employment or whether you were to work in the kingdom full time, when you go to work, you are a light that shines in that darkness. People ought to be able to see Jesus in and through you, through your actions, your character, your conduct, if you will. And it ought to be consistent throughout. You're the same person in here as you are in home, as you are on the job, as you are in the marketplace. If there's a difference, something is wrong. Because God is not impressed with our church attendance. Let me tell you something. God is not even impressed with our praise. If we have no character to measure up, if we don't act upon this word, we may act upon it in song and dance, if you will, and that's good. I'm not saying that it's bad, but there's a, 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 a greater measure, for lack of better words. There's, there's something more that dad looks for, and it's in our everyday living, our everyday conversation, our everyday conduct. When we're out there amidst the darkness, are we the light? Or have we taken on the form of the ways of the world, things that the Lord wants to deliver us from? We're dealing with the heart being perfect towards God and what it truly means. It does not mean simply believing. The Bible says that the, the devils believe and they tremble. So believing is not sufficient. It is good. Everybody say it is good. Believing is good, but it is not sufficient in and of itself. If all I do is believe, yeah, I believe God. I believe Jesus is Savior. I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe, I believe, I believe. But then I go around as if I'm Lord, I'm Savior, I rule in this body, or the devil's Lord, the devil's Savior, because, you know, I just can't help myself. The devil is in me. The devil is on me. The devil is doing all of these things to me then I truly don't believe. Because when I believe according to God's standard and measure of belief, it's going to affect my life, my walk, my character, my conduct. Am I saying I'm perfect and you're not? I'm not saying that. But we're all striving for perfection. Hallelujah. I'm still growing with the increase that comes from God. Somebody's got to water. Somebody's got to plant. Somebody's got to water because I'm expecting God to bring increase. 
Right now, you're being, the, the seed is being sown to be planted, and the seed is being watered, but it takes God to give that increase. And God is simply looking for faith throughout the earth. Heart loyal, perfect, whole. A heart, listen to this, listen carefully, this comes from the ancient Hebrew. A heart that is willing to purchase in order to be one with with something or someone. In other words, I'm willing to give into this that I may be one. Not that you buy God. We can't buy God and neither. We can't buy miracles and God, he has purchased us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But it's not like God is dropping $1,000 here, $10,000 there, $100,000 there to get individuals to come and serve him. No, Jesus paid it all on the cross. Hallelujah. And so heart perfect towards him. Loyal, faithful, whole, complete towards God. That's just too much. It's not enough for what Jesus did. Why do I say that? Because it'd be one thing if God says, okay, you, you got to do all of these things in order to get my salvation. You, yeah, I'm going to save you, but you're going to have to pay. You owe me. He don't do it like that. He says, come. Come. Every one of you who are carrying a heavy yoke, and a heavy burden, come, come to me. He says, come, come buy me. Why are you wasting money on things that don't satisfy? Come to me with no money. Come buy and eat. I'll feed you. I'll give you what you need in order to be who I've called you to be. You don't have to pay me anything. But now I'll teach you how to worship me. Because in your worship, it's not that I'm trying to get stuff out of you. It's I want to give you my goodness. I want to show you things. But I got to first know that I can trust you. And if I can't trust you in the little things, if I can't even trust you to be faithful over another man's house, how can you expect me to give you your own? Because if you can't do right here, you definitely won't do right there. And I'm trying to establish the character necessary over here so that when I get you here, you are ready. I'm not promoting you to fail. I'm promoting you for good success, not just average success, but good godly success. You ought to get a Lord a hand of praise and thank him. Hallelujah, because he's on your side. He's for you, and he's not against you. So his teachings and instructions are for our help and our benefit. Therefore, we ought to have an appetite for God. We ought to be like those birds in the nest, Minister Aquino. We ought to waiting for mama bird, eagle, who comes with the food, the worm, to regurgitate it and put it in our mouth so we can chew. We ought to be hungry every morning. For the very presence, power, and glory of God to come upon us that we may reign as kings in this earth. Hallelujah! 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 Yeah! Satan wants to keep you down. People want to keep you down. 
God wants to raise us up. Hallelujah. Yeah, for his glory and great name's sake. He wants a strong people, so he's going to show himself strong. Ah, yeah, because that's the only way we'll get there. And dad's eyes are right now. I'm looking to see whose heart is loyal. I'm looking to see not who's just listening, Brother Sean. I'm looking to see who's going to act on what they heard. Not trying to force us to do something because we have a free will. We can live our own lives if we want to. But dad is like, no. Trying to help you, trying to bless you, trying to get you to the place that I want you to be. Don't settle for where man wants you to be. Settle for where I want you to be. Hallelujah. And that's not anti-man or anything like that. That's like, you got to go and be angry and mad at the next person. Remember what I said about Jesus? Nobody knew. And I could be wrong. Because you might have a theologian that comes up, well, after all of this study, we've looked everything out, and it just doesn't measure up to what you say or something like that. And I could care less about that. I, can just, I just care about what the Word teaches. And something you can see is why... Again, if there were 12 of us in a circle and one of us was rotten, I'll just put myself in the place, okay? So nobody gets offended and think I'm saying they're rotten. If there's 12 of us in a circle and I'm rotten to the core, I'm stealing, I'm robbing, I'm cheating, and everybody knows it, and something comes up missing, you're not going to look at Minister Posada. First one you're going to look at, uh-huh. Call himself an apostle. Apostle of what? Apostle of stealing, killing, and destroying. He's working for Satan. I'm being foolish, but you understand. It'd be easy to point me out because I've already displayed the character and the nature of it, but they couldn't do that with Judas, and Judas was stealing. The narrator, you know, was saying, he, Judas was a thief. Judas, Judas, it would say, not the one who betrayed him, or Judas, the one who betrayed the Lord. You know, it's like it just... Yeah, Judas, the son of perdition. It followed him, but nevertheless, when it came down to it in that room, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? It's the one who dips with me. <laughs> Judas did. Is it I? You have said it. What you do, do quickly. They still don't get it. Why? Because they think... He, gave, he told Judas to go probably run an errand, and give some money to the poor. And then they're all in the garden. And, of course, we know, what, we know what happens after that. But the point of bringing all of that out is just in how we carry and conduct ourselves around others and, and how we always remember that we are always before the Lord. He we, we never escape him. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, I believe it is. I love this scripture. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Dad doesn't watch over us because the scripture also says that the eyes of the Lord, they're upon the righteous, and he hears them when they cry. So dad is always watching us, not watching us that we might blow it, but he's watching over us to keep us in all of our ways. But he will never violate our will. And if we have a strong will to do something, 
after dad gives admonishment and warning after warning after warning after warning after warning, and we persist in it, then dad gives us over to it. And if we lay there and stay there, dad gives us over to a reprobate, rejected mind because we've allowed that carnal fleshly mind to dominate our lives and take us back to the mud, to the mire, back to the slop, if you will, back to the pigsty, back to the vomit, and he'll let us just go ahead and live there and wallow there and perish in that state and condition. Okay. So, so we see it is important to stay fully committed to keep the commandments of the Lord and his judgments. He goes on and says in verse 8, Now therefore in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God. Find out what God wants you to do. Find out what God says concerning you. How do I find out? Search his word. Seek him daily. Don't let it be a, a you know, just a... a, a, a um, haphazard type of, you know, just uh, when I get time to. It's like making it a priority. If I get around to it, fine. If I don't get around to it, yeah, but it's okay. God understands. He knows my heart. He knows it's corrupt. And without him, it'll remain corrupt. But with him, he'll give us a new heart. Hallelujah. That receives, and is, as Ezekiel says, I will give them a new heart, a heart that is sensitive to the touch of their God. And I've shared it with you. It's like when a surgeon does open heart surgery, and they, or I should say heart transplant, and they put that new heart into that body. It may not necessarily be a new heart, but it's a heart from someone else, and they put it in that person's body, and if it doesn't start... Uh, ticking or thumping or beating, if you will, they give it a thump. And then the thing starts. It's that. And our heart starts to beat for God. He just gives us a touch. He just reaches out and touches. And then we just start. We come alive to him like nobody else. We come alive. He touches us in ways that nobody else can touch us. Yeah, we get in that secret place. That's new covenant as well as old. As I said out of Psalms 91, and you need to pray that over your lives daily. Daily. Because of the stuff that is going on. We're not in a panic. We are in faith. And so we just pray that hedge of protection around us. Draw that bloodline around our house, around our home, around our families, around our lives in particular, that that thing will not come nigh me. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but coronavirus is not coming into this earthen vessel. You hear me? And you say that about any disease that is, that is being passed through the air, if you will, or through contact or human contact, if you will. It's like, no. If John G. Lake can have such a consecrated life and relationship with God that he can go to a place and say, put the disease in my hand, and everybody's getting, you know, contracting this disease and dying from this disease, and this man bold in faith. You only do this in faith. You don't do this to tempt God. But he went there and he says, put it in my 
my hand and it's going to die. And they put it in his hand and guess what the thing did? The thing died in his hand. Smith Wigglesworth told, uh, 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 he, he, he said, um, uh, this, this lady who was sick, he was on this ship and they had invited him to be a part, I'll say this and then I'll stop. They invited him to be a part of the singing and celebration, the dance and things that were going on. And so Smith says, um, they asked him if he would like to participate. And he says, okay, where will I be on the roster? Me paraphrasing. In other words, where am I going to be on that agenda, that list, that schedule? And so he chose to be first. He said, let me be first. They let him be first. So Smith... He came down there, and he went up first, and when he went up, nobody else got a chance to come up because he went up there, and he sang about if I can only put into words how God is in my life, something along that lines. That's not the exact title, but as he sang and ministered, of course, God began to move. One preacher got upset because it's like, this preacher, he had the opportunity to do all of these things, and, and he didn't take advantage of it, and I was supposed to speak, and I didn't get to speak because of what he did. And so Smith said the next day, he got word. Somebody came and told him that there was a lady on the ship, and she was very sick, and that she was, uh, she was in desperate need of prayer. So Smith got the word. He left his cabin. He went to where the person was, and he didn't say very much, if anything. He just went in there, and he says, I'm going to do this, and then you're going to be healed. And so he did that, and she was healed. And she was a Christian scientist, if you will. And she had been known to be traveling all over and, and preaching about Christian science and stuff. And so she's like, yeah, I was a Christian scientist, and I used to do all of these things. Can I still do them? And Smith said, yeah, go ahead. Do as much as you want. Okay, I drink wine and stuff. And, and so should I, should I continue to drink? Can I continue to drink wine? I said, yeah, go ahead. Drink as much wine as you want to. Uh, I smoke cigarettes. Can I, um, can I still keep smoking? And Smith's like, smoke all the cigarettes you want to smoke. She couldn't smoke no more. She could not preach Christian science no more. She did not drink anymore. Because of the power of God that came upon her life in that moment, she got saved. She got healed by the power of God. And that's what God wants to do through his sons and daughters in this time and hour. You may hear us repeating that over and over, but it's a truth. It's a truth, and it came through people who did not settle for status quo. They read the word. They believed the word. They wanted to see the word come into existence, so they acted on the word that they read, that they heard, and therefore, many who read the Bible but didn't believe the Bible or said they believed the Bible, but then when things started to happen that were in the Bible, they got offended by what was happening because it wasn't according to what they thought should happen. We never want to get to that place. We should always want to see what God wants to do in the earth while we are yet here. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Thank you for your time and patience. Father, we thank you for each and every one that is here under the sound of my voice. Thank you for the few passages of scripture and may it minister. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You're my strength, you're my redeemer, and I know that my redeemer lives. Hallelujah. So for your sons and daughters, may we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. May we not only hear your word, but act on it, Lord God, because your word is alive and powerful. 
sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. All things are naked and open unto you to whom we must give an account. We take that seriously, soberly, in faith, and we give you praise. If any of you need prayer, you can always meet us here at the altar. Lift your hands before the Lord. Father, I now speak the power of your blessing over your sons and daughters. And anyone that's watching live stream or anyone in here who needs to make things right with you, that they take this opportunity and moment to do so. You want to come through strong. You want to show yourself strong. We want our hearts to be perfect, loyal towards you. We thank you for the privilege and opportunity of another day to hear your word, that we may live and declare your glory in all the earth. The Lord our God bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you. Lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. The name of the Lord be over you. Be over you and your household that he may bless you, that you may enjoy the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And above all else, you may prosper. I really mean it. You may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That the gates of hell never prevail against you. That all the plans of the wicked one be spoiled concerning you. That every one of his plans be aborted, be annihilated, be wiped out concerning you. That nothing that tries to come near your, 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 your life, your home, your family is able to succeed that's of the evil one. But that the blood of Jesus Christ covers you, covers your possessions, covers your family. The Lord bless you mightily that you glorify him in everything that you do, in word and in deed, in Jesus' name. Everybody who agreed said amen. amen. Have a blessed rest of the day. We will not be coming together tonight. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We thank you for fellowshipping with us. Give God all the glory, the honor, and praise. Amen.